I had the distinct pleasure uh, before the service began to meet a couple who I had never met before, but apparently who have listened to me for several years now on the CSN radio network uh, in Minnesota. And they were on vacation in Fort... Yes, give Minnesota a shout-out. And so they were were on vacation for a couple days in Fort Myers, and they said they they wanted to see the guy who was speaking to their hearts on the radio. Uh, And I'm so pleased that they're here. I'm so blessed that the radio ministry does that. You know that we are... Obviously, we're on locally uh, seven days a week in Kingdom FM. That's all throughout uh, Southwest Florida, but really on CSN radio, we are in 50 states, 450 radio stations. Tim, Tim, 450 radio stations across the United States uh, every Saturday and every Sunday, uh, and that's the work of God. And so what we do here, you see, starts here and goes out throughout the entire world. Uh, And so I want you to be aware of that. Uh, and so that's why uh, the radio ministry is so important. We never know who God is going to reach uh, on the radio. We never know. And so uh, I'm so glad they came forward because truthfully, some days I have my doubts. I say to my wife, I think you and I are the only two listening to the radio. <laughs> you know, we, I often say that as we're driving to church on Sunday morning, you know, we're on the radio 7.30 Sunday morning. So as we get here, we're listening to it and Sometimes the signal isn't that clear. Uh, and, and I said the station needs more gerbils, uh, you know, but, but I'm only kidding. They do a great job. Uh, but, you know, we just never know. You see, we never know who God is reaching. Uh, and thank you, brother. God bless you. There's my man down there from Minnesota. Praise God. Praise God. And so you see, it sets the stage for this message to start the year for this church, God's amazing love, God's shocking love. Who can put their arms and their minds about what God has done, that he would reach out to a lost world and give his only begotten son to die for this world. Who can understand this kind of love? And so this is, for me, setting the stage for us as a church, setting the stage for us individually this year. There is going to be nothing more important than you understand the nature of being born again, the nature of salvation. I want each and every one of you to have a deep and abiding understanding of what it means to be born again. I want you to be able to go out to a lost world and tell that world what it is to be born again and what Christ has done for you. Uh, And so even more than ever before, we have to establish this as the operational predicate of this church. If this church stands for nothing else, it stands for the fact that we stand for Jesus Christ in every way, in his death and his life in his resurrection, in the fact that he stands today right at the right hand of God. And today, each and every one of us, you see, is under the mandate of God to speak to the lost. I have to break that to you. This is important. You need to know this. God expects you 
and demands of you that you speak about the love of God to a lost world that will never understand it and explain the meaning of salvation. And so in order for you to do this, you see, you yourself must be born again. Uh, And so you need to be educated as to what it means to be born again. And I'm going to spend several weeks in this series making sure that we drill down on this. And so the key verse and what people, some people say, and many people say, the possibly the most important verse in the Bible is John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And let me emphasize the one word there, whoever, in the King James Version, it says, whosoever believes. In other words, without restriction, without limitation, wherever they are, whatever their status is, whatever they have done, whoever comes to believe in Jesus Christ will be saved and will have eternal life. This is the key that we need to bring to the lost world. And so if you had any, any questions at all about the necessity of being born again or what it means, well, buckle up, because we're going to drill down deeply on this subject. And when you leave here today, I believe that you will be enriched more than you've ever had before as you understand this. This is the nature of the shocking love of God. Now, here's the problem. So many of us, you see, uh, think a little too highly of ourselves and a little too lowly of God, which is why we're shocked that God would do what he did. Because we look at God and we try to equate the work of God in our own puny mental image. Why would God love sinners so much that he would bankrupt heaven and send his son to redeem us? Why would he do that? Well, Paul speaks on this, reflect on the words of Paul, where he said in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can never reflect the utter shock of knowing that while you were fully outside of the will of God, while you were a sinner, Jesus went on the cross with your name imprinted on his hand. He did that because of the love of God. Yes, this is truly shocking. Yes, the world cannot understand it. Uh, And here's the thing. The Jews, you see, in the first century, when they would have read this epistle from John, when they would have read this, uh, they knew that God had loved them. They knew that God had placed a special imprimatur on them as the chosen people, that he had a special love for them. So the verse wouldn't really shock a Jew. Uh, but it might shock some Jews when the passage says that God would love the sinning Jews. Oh, he would love the sinning Jews. Yes, because that's how the utter love of God works. He would love all Jews, uh, whether they were uh, trying to live a righteous life or whether they were living a a sinful life. Uh, And then so if you stretched it even further and they knew this, They understood that when Moses took the Jewish people out of Egypt and they rebelled against him, as they did about every third day, right? Every third day and repudiated him and said, why did you take us out of that lovely life that we had in the brick pits in Egypt? Why did you do that? 
and God punished them by sending fiery serpents. You remember that? Uh, and so thousands of them were dying. The only way that they would be delivered was God told Moses to take a, a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, and every single Jew who was dying that would look on that pole, look at that servant, serpent, would be saved. Uh, in fact, John 3, verses 14 to 15, speaks about that. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Believing in him, believing on the Son of God, lifted up just like the serpent was lifted up. It was a foreshadowing, you see, of what would take place 1,400 years later. And so the Jews had notice about this. However, the words of God were even more shocking. God so loved the world. The world... The world, if you were a Jew, you would say, what? Gentiles? Can that be? Oh, it can be. It can be. Yes, that's what God was saying, that I will love the entire world. I will give the entire world the opportunity to come to faith. And, and uh, it's so articulated well by John, again, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Where it says there, you, meaning speaking of Jesus, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Let me repeat that last part. You, Lord, you purchased people from every tribe every language, every people, and every nation. There is no limitation. There is no restriction. There is no Jew. There is no gentle, the Gentile. There are only Christians together, unified, who have given themselves to the body of Christ. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. And so Jesus drills down even further on what this means. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to understand what God's will is in our life. And he said it there, and he expands it even further in Matthew 5, verses 43 to 45. Quote, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies <clears throat> and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's your God, you see. That's your God. Your God is sending the sun and the rain even on the ungodly, even on the unrighteous. Uh, and that's why God tells us that as we are to follow him as children of God, not only do we love our families, not only do we love our friends, but we are, in fact, to engage in love to our enemies, that takes a long time to understand. And engage in love to those who persecute you as you pray for them, as God wants you to do that. And so you see this. You see the enormous, shocking love of God. And that's what we need to focus on as we start this year. Now, this raises what I believe is a serious theological issue for some people. And that is, well, if God 
loves his enemies, why did he not choose to save everyone? After all, if you just read that verse where God causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust, uh, why doesn't he just save everybody? Uh, And this is a critical point because you see the love of God through Christ is so expansive, so profound that it's there for everyone. The enormity of that love is there for everyone who believes, who accepts the free will of God. And so God, in a real and sincere sense, hates the wicked, hates and despises the wicked because of their sin. Yet, 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 in the most sincere sense, he has compassion on them and cares for them. Uh, and because of his loving nature. You see, this is how God is. In the just, holy uh, nature of God, he hates sin. He despises sin, yet he has compassion for the sinner and wants every single person in this world to be saved. Now, in practical terms, this means that we can tell unbelievers, and this is a message that I want you to convey, that, that God loves them so, so much that he sent his only son, to die for their sins, if they believe in Christ. However, and this is important, and many of us don't do this, at the, at the same time, we should warn them that they are currently dead men walking if they don't accept Christ. They're dead in their trespass, even now, as they may be ignorant because they have not accepted the lifesaver that God has given them. Uh, Whosoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. That's John 3, 18. They're condemned already. They don't even know that they're condemned because they're born in sin, and they have not accepted Jesus Christ. And you know, here's the thing. So many people uh, have their own philosophies, their own personal religion, uh, that there's a thousand ways to God. And it's just mind-boggling to me that the only word of God that counts is the Bible. Everything else is nonsense and opinion, and the Bible couldn't be clearer about the way to God. Only one way. No man cometh to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. No man, no way, no possibility. And so our job this year as individuals and as a church is to convey this message, to proclaim the gospel, to speak to a lost world about what it means to be saved, that we ask God to open the eyes of the, of the blind so that they can understand it, and so they understand what it means to live righteously. Living righteously means you've accepted Jesus Christ, because apart from accepting Jesus Christ, you can never live righteously. There's no way. And let me say this also, because I love this when I hear people say, well, I believe Jesus is a great man. He's a great teacher. And I say, absolutely false. You think God sent Jesus to this world in order that he could teach us how to live morally? That had nothing to do with it. Jesus didn't have to die on the cross in order to teach you about morality. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be saved so that you could spend eternity with God. And that's the only way God could uphold his holiness and justice. That's who God is, holy, 
absolute, utter holiness and perfection. And so this causes, again, some people to ask this question. Well, why can't God just forgive us apart from the death of Christ? He's God. Why can't he just forgive us apart from the death of Christ? Well, there's a clear answer in that. And the answer is that God is absolutely holy and perfect and just. That is the nature of God. If he brushed away sin uh, without demanding that the penalty be paid, it would compromise the very nature of God. God is God because he's holy. God does not compromise. God sets the penalty for sin. He did it when he called the Jewish people out of Egypt, when he set the Day of Atonement and told them what it would mean in Leviticus chapter 16 and all of the ceremonial washings in order for the high priest to go in. God demanded holiness. And you know that if the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and had not properly prepared, uh, he would be struck dead. They put bells on his robe and had a rope around him so that if the bells didn't keep ringing, they knew he died. They understood you see, what the perfection of God was about. And that's God's very nature. If God didn't do that, he would cease to be God. Uh, and so as he would cease to be God, at the same time, he would, he would cease to be just and holy, and at the same time, not really give up the dignity of the human responsibility of choice. The human responsibility of choice. He gave you that choice. He gave you the choice to shake your fist in his face. He didn't create you to be a robot. And so all of this comes together in Romans 3, verse 26, where Paul again explains it so well. He did it, God, that is, did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is all about the utter, shocking love of God. It's all about the perfect justice of God. It's all about understanding what took place on the cross and what he gave you when you became saved. And so here's an important note as you go out and give this message to a lost world. God's love for the world does not does not negate or override the sins of everyone. You're a sinner. God loves you. It doesn't matter that God loves you. You're still a sinner. He has given you a lifesaver. You can take the lifesaver or you can reject the lifesaver. Uh, God will not overlook your sin. He will not overlook your sin. The only way he will overlook your sin is when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you bow in submission to him and say, Lord, I am lost. Lord, I need your help. I take Jesus, Father. I accept the, Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And when you do that, that very moment you become attached to the body of Jesus Christ. And God now sees you forever through the filtering lens of Jesus Christ. And what he sees then is holiness. Are you holy? No. No. You see, you'll never be holy. You will spend a lifetime being sanctified and getting better, and God will be sanding you down. 
but God will see you as holy. And that's what being born again is. And so here's the thing. We have to really speak to people about this and speak about the fact that hell is real. I'm sorry to bring up the word of hell on New Year's Day, but you know what? I have a responsibility to do this. I'm not here as a coach, all right? Let me make that clear. I'm not a good coach, all right? Because if I just give you my opinion, get up and walk out. My opinion is irrelevant. But when I give you the word of God, then it's no longer my opinion, it's the word of God. And Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than any other entity in the Bible. Jesus himself spoke more than 70 times, 70 times about hell. Now, if Jesus' words are true and Jesus' words are real, then you can take it to the bank. Hell is a real place. And so you need to convey that to people at the same time. Because here's the bottom line. You see, there's no, there's no gray in salvation. There's no medium position. There's either black or white. There's either yes or no. And if it's not yes, then it's no. That's how God is. It's very simple. And so as he's given you the choice of accepting Christ, there is no medium position. There's no gray. And so you have to tell the world that because the world likes gray. You know, the the world likes that medium position. Well, I'm sorry to say God doesn't. It's either black or white. You either accept Jesus and his salvation or you reject it. And so God's love does not override his perfect holiness and justice. And so this message I'm giving you today should be both comforting and disturbing, both. The lesson for us is that today that when we share the gospel, we shouldn't just focus on the present benefits you get as a Christian. Uh, And let me explain what I mean by that. You shouldn't just emphasize the fact that when you become a Christian, uh, you're going to lead a better life. You're going to have a better marriage. You're going to have better relationships. Uh, You're going to have peace and joy in your life. And the reason I say this is that many people who have not accepted Christ are seemingly happy in ignorance, seemingly happy marriages, seemingly successful in life. And so there's far more, you see, than what's going on in this present world uh, than just those medium experiences. Uh, And so what we have to say is that the essence of being born again is knowing that every day of your life, when you get up out of bed, God holds you in his hand. You are no longer an accident waiting to happen. You're not walking into a pinball machine. Every aspect of your life is now ordered by the great creator. And you have the assurance that on the day that he calls you from this world to the next, as you step through that curtain you will be given eternal life. You'll be with Jesus. You'll be with God. And you'll be with all your family members who have preceded you uh, in Christ. Uh, And so this becomes important to understand this. Look, John 3, 16 and John 3, 18 make it clear that the crucial issue on our part is to believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, Those who believe have eternal life. Those who do not are currently under judgment from God. 
John 3, 17 says as follows, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Let's understand that. God didn't send Jesus to condemn. God didn't send Jesus to be the judge. God is the judge. God sent Jesus to be the savior. That's the message, to be the savior. Uh, and this reflects God's shocking love. God's shocking love for this world. Look, let's understand something. When Jesus came the first time, he came as the baby in the manger. He came uh, as the savior of the world, dying on the cross. But when he comes back the second time, he's not coming back as the savior of the world. He's coming back as the lion of Judah. And when he comes back the second time, the, the Bible tells us that it's going to be awestruck and mind-numbing when he comes back, and we will follow behind him in that great army of the saints. Uh, and if you read Revelation 19, verse 15, it says as follows, talking about Jesus on that glorious day of his second coming, coming out of his mouth, this is Jesus now, is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. I love that last part of that. Treading the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God. Make no mistake about it. When he comes back, he's not taking any prisoners. And so this means there's a time, an opportunity, a point where God is giving you the ability to be saved. Every one of you. There, I don't know who might be here today who has never made this decision, but God is speaking to your heart today. And so really, this is a responsibility that we have. Nothing, frankly, is more provoking or offensive to God, I believe, than the refusing the glorious salvation of his one and only son that was provided at such a profound cost by the death of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine giving that gift to a world and then having the world turn its back on him? Nothing is more suicidal on the part of the world than to do that. And so believing in Jesus Christ means trusting in everything that he does. This is what it means to be born again. It means at this point in your life, you put everything else aside. You are no longer in charge of your life, but instead you bow before his throne in the privacy of your home. And you say, Father, forgive me. Lord, I am desperate. I need a savior. I need your help, God, to change my life. I cannot live my life this way. And we know that as in that poverty of spirit, God recognizes that. I recognize you are God. I recognize that you sit there at the right hand of God. I recognize that when you, you died for me, you had, you had my name imprinted in your hand. And now I entrust entirely everything that you do. I will no longer make the decisions in my life. You will make the decisions. Wherever I go, whatever I do, I will pray that it is within your will. This is what it means to be born again. And so, you know, Jesus often sent people away. He sent people away who really 
had what I would call superficial faith. Because what's required is saving faith. Saving faith, meaning save, saving faith, faith that is so profound that it understands the real nature of the cost of what God did for us. Uh, and in Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 57 to 62, Jesus speaks about this. And he says there, uh, in that passage, as, as they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But that man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, fit for the service of the king. This is the lesson today. This is what it means to be saved. It's not mere words. It's a commitment of the heart. It's a commitment that, Lord, whatever I have, I'm yours. Whatever I do will be yours. Whatever you've given me is yours. I will not go one day without giving everything that I have in my body, soul, and spirit to you. I pray, God, that you direct my steps in every possible way. Uh, and so this is what it means to be born again. This is the message for you today. This is what God wants you to understand that God is the key part of your life. That everything else, family, relationships, jobs, economics, all of that takes second place. First place is God and God alone. And I want you all to make this promise. This is your New Year's resolution. You understand? This is the resolution that you make. Yes, Lord, I will not let another day go by in this year where I do not commit myself, lock, stock, and barrel to you in every possible way. And I will convey this message to a world that is lost. That's the promise. That's the command. That's what you need to leave this church today knowing. Amen, church? Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, Father, I thank you so much for this great shocking love that even as we think about it in our puny minds, we can't come to terms with how great this love is, that you, the creator of the universe, would love us so profoundly that you would give your own son up, that you would bankrupt heaven so that each and every one of us, no matter where we are, no matter what tribe we come from, Jew or Gentile, it didn't matter, you would save us if only we would accept this free gift. Lord, help us all individually to first today to accept that gift. First, to understand the nature of saving faith. And, Father, also to recognize that we're under the mandate to leave here and to go out to a lost world and convey this message so that there is no misunderstanding.
understanding. There's no gray. It's either black or white. And give us the grace and the courage to spread that message. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.